Devin Levi, Noah Oslin, Matthew Savoy, and many more Sabre prospects that we'll talk about today with Hadi Kalakash from Lockdown NHL Prospects here in the Lockdown Sabres podcast. Your Locked On Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Jody Biasi, per usual, here on the show. And I'm joined again by Hadi Kalakash from the Locked On NHL Prospects podcast. What's up, Hadi? How are you doing on this Friday? Doing good, doing good. Tiny bit under the weather. Got something started. I don't know if it's a cold, the flu, yeah. whatever's going on. It, it's It's been going around, um, but I'm excited to be on and talk about prospects. You know, it's my thing. I love that yeah. stuff. I've had the exact same thing. It definitely has not come from you because we have not been in the same room together, but <laughs> yeah. I've had basically the exact same thing uh, throughout yeah. today. So, yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're uh, getting through it a little bit here, but we're okay mm-hmm. on the Locked on Sabres podcast. Lots of prospect prospects talk coming with Hadi in the next uh, couple of segments, um, including the goaltending situation, which we'll prioritize here at the start and get to, of course, some of the guys that are playing down in Rochester and also up with the Sabres, Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka. The Sabres do have prospects developing at the NHL level as well. Uh, Sabres next play Saturday night in San Jose. So uh, we will talk about that game after the fact, uh, after they play their final game of this West Coast trip. Uh, Hopefully they can get another two points and stick in this playoff race. As you look at that, before we get to prospect stuff, Detroit, the Islanders, the, the Capitals are in the spot now. Florida, do you have an opinion on what's going to happen in that Eastern conference playoff race? Well, Florida's on tear. I know that because uh, the Habs have their pick um, and I follow them yeah. pretty closely to see where <laughs> they're going to go. Um, they've been on yeah. a tear recently. I, I just, there's too much skill on that team in order for them to not sort of make a late push. Maybe get a trade deadline pickup that just puts them over the board. Uh, the Isles added Bo Horvat. Horvat is a game changer in terms of what he can do uh, on a game to game basis. And just taking some weight off of Matt Barzal in terms of transition yeah. play, in terms of, you know driving that center line is going to help them a lot so i think that i have a hunch that florida and the isles are going to push themselves into that player playoff race yeah i wouldn't be surprised to see the the sabers just miss out um you know 17th 18th place something like that um that's kind of what i see happening but you know down the stretch it's going to get tighter and tighter uh i I don't think we're really going to know what's going to happen how the last standings are going to look like until maybe you know two three games from the, the 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 82nd game of the season that's right where I'm at, too. I think they're going to be in the race, mm-hmm. uh, but I think the Sabres will just miss. I think Florida is too talented. The math looks good, right? They've got five games in hand on Florida, but yeah. they'll um, they'll definitely have to stay. They'll have to win those games in hand and then stay above Florida because I think that's the most dangerous team sure. uh, right now. Washington, you never know. I mean, Ovechkin away right now for the death of his father, mm-hmm. and we'll see when he returns. They're so reliant on him that – the longer he's gone, I don't – Washington, man, they're just so old. I don't know if they're going to yep. get through the whole season. But anyways, we're here to talk about youth today, not about not about the older guys. So <laughs> let's let's go – let's get right into the guy that Sabre fans have been talking about the most this week, uh, and that is goaltending prospect Devin Levi. Yep. He wins the MVP at the Bean Pot. Northeastern kind of wins in, in an upset fashion at the Bean Pot in, you know, most particularly because of him. Mm-hmm. Um so Devin Levi overall, I, we've been talking about goalie trade ideas and whatnot. And the thing that we always 
get back to when we think of, oh, should they go chase Thatcher Demko? Or today there's Nashville Predators trade rumor. Should we even think about UC Soros as an idea? And the guy you always come back to is Devin Levi. One, is he going to be a starting goalie in the NHL? And two, you know, well, how long is reasonable to wait to, to find out if he's going to be one? Yeah, so for me, Devin Levi is the type of player who is going to step into an NHL role eventually. I think that he's going to get an opportunity to show that he has starter potential. I think he definitely does. Um, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of UC Saros. It's not just the the smallness. You know, they're, they're two sort of smaller goaltenders, but it's the style that they play, the way that they've adapted to their lack of size. Um, I wrote an article on that for Dauber Prospects a while ago where, you know, saying basically don't sleep on lack of size. There's something called competitive disadvantages mm-hmm. that actually create, um, you know, technical advantages for a player. So w- when your player, let's say you have a, a goaltender who's smaller, he's going to have to adapt his game in order to play in a certain way that succeeds. And if he's able to succeed at a high level, the way Devin Levi has so far in the NCAA, it's not a fluke. It's that he's he's built the proper adaptive skills in order to flourish in a role that, um, you know, a taller goaltender playing the same style probably wouldn't. Um, Devin Le- Levi's really athletic. He's really aggressive, um, extremely, extremely mobile, quick feet he's able to move left to right extremely well um he he doesn't sort of overcommit. he 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 plays a style where he's able to to push laterally at all times to stop you know a redirection or you know a loose puck that that pops up in the slot for a player on the other side that kind of thing um the style yeah. that he plays is extremely projectable when you're a small goaltender it's pretty much the only way you can make that work um, so I wouldn't sleep on Devin Levi at all. I think that he's definitely got starter potential. Um, you know, UC Saros is kind of a unicorn in his own style because yeah. that quality of a goaltender at that size is extremely rare. But, um, you know, I, I, I'd imagine Devin Levi would kind of be a beta version of that. You know, a starting goaltender who's going to give you good games, you know, probably 910, 915, 917 save percentage, um, mm-hmm. but on a on a season-to-season basis with consistency. And that's, I think, what the Sabres need the most in goal is consistency. Um, he, and he, I, I think he'll definitely be able to provide that. Yeah. And on the timeline, he's 21. He mm-hmm. can turn pro at the end of the year. I might expect he is going to sign with the Sabres at the end of the year. That's not to say he'll play with the Sabres. Maybe Rochester. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, when I'm talking about these trade ideas, you know, Demko is on a three-year deal. Uh, mm-hmm. Soros is on a two-year deal. And I know that would be an even bigger move. I mean, that's first yeah. round pick capital plus, yeah. um, should the Sabres be not afraid of that type of move, but I guess, should they feel like that that's, that's achievable, that they should be looking for, okay, that two, three bridge, uh, bridge goaltender to Levi, or I, could they think, hey, maybe he shows up next year. We don't need to go make an investment at that position. Goaltenders usually, you know, bloom late. I think that Levi's going to need some time to adapt to the pro game. There's a lot more bounces. There's a lot more um, redirections, a lot more sort of chaos. It's a lot less structured than you than the play you'll see in the NCAA. There's a lot of set plays in the NCAA. Um, a lot of teams have their set plays and, and execute them to perfection. But as soon as you deviate from that, it's kind of, you know, things get kind of predictable. But you know, yeah. the AHL is a different game. The NHL is even, you know, higher in terms of pace. It's kind of the same chaotic energy, but with m- yeah. even more pace, even more speed. So that's why goaltenders usually tend to take more time to reach their ceiling. If the Sabres want to go and, and trade a pick for a goaltender who's going to give them, 
decent-ish results in the next two, three years. Someone like Jake Allen, um, you know, mm-hmm. someone's going to be, he's, he's not going to cost too much, but he's going to give you consistent results and at least sort of hold the fort down between the pipes until Devin Levi's ready. Yep. Sure. Um, but honestly, in the Sabres position, given, you know, the bad luck that they've had recently, the amount of times that they've barely missed the playoffs or um, had a sort of breakdown at the end of a season that that led them out of a playoff spot, I think that I think I preach patience in their case. I mean, yeah, there's no rush. No one's, you know, nearing the end of their prime or anything like that. It's an extremely young core. It's only going to get better from here. In three or four years, Dylan Cousins is going to be 25. Tate Thompson is going to be, what, 27. Um, when Devin Levi joins this group, you know, all these players are going to be at the peak of their prime. And I think that's the sort of smartest way to go and to keep all your picks. Um, because the thing is, with teams that have many picks, you're not afraid to take risks um, at, at the yep. draft table. You're not going for those safe picks because you have only four, for example. You know, if you have 10, 11, 12 picks a, a draft year, you're, you're able to take risks on, on you know, low floor, high ceiling guys who, you know, if they pan out, you've got a top pair defender, a top six forward, that kind of thing. So I, I think patience is the best sort of approach with the Sabres so that they can add as much capital through the draft. Um, and when Devin Levi joins that team, all of their best players are going to be in their primes, which I think is the best scenario for Levi and for the Sabres. Right. And it's not like he'll be on his own, too, because yeah. Uka Pekalukkanen has played nicely in his first full season in the NHL. And he, I mean, he was at one point... I know hockey news at one point had him as like the number one goalie prospect in the world a few years ago. So, and he, it's not like they're starting from zero. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. we're waiting for Levi to have any goaltender. Um, So, and they drafted Tobias Lehnan and I think was the first goalie picked in the last draft. So they've got other guys in the, in the cupboard there. Um, Yeah. So we'll see what happens in goaltender. Um, all right, we'll take a timeout here. When we come back, get to some of the forward prospects that are not yet in the pros. So Noah Oslin, um, Yuri Kulich, and uh, Matthew Savoy. Break down some of the Sabre first-round picks uh, with Hadi Kalakash from Lockdown NHL Prospects when we come back here on the show. We are presented and brought to you here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and the calories, then you got to try a built bar. We made it through the holidays. My goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me and you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, you've got to try built bar with built healthy is actually tasty. What makes built bar so good for starters, they're hundred percent covered in real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors. Churro peanut butter, brownie, or the two most popular. My favorite is the cookie dough bar. They have the actual pieces of cookie dough right in there underneath the chocolate. And I don't know how built does it. Cause they maintain being healthy as well. Only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and you get a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait around for a box. For years, I've been telling you about ordering your built bars at built.com, but now just head over to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. You get a four bar box of cookies and cream or double chocolate at Walmart or head into Sam's Club. You can grab a 13 bar box of hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later with Built Bar. Again, head to Walmart, Sam's Club, or to built.com. Joe DiBiase, Hadi Kalakash, back here on the Locked On NHL or Locked On Sabres podcast. Hadi from Locked On NHL Prospects. Uh, mm-hmm. Also covers the Montreal Canadiens pretty closely. And does it feel, are you feeling left out at all in this playoff race or are you focused on uh, the Bedard sweepstakes? <laughs> you could forget about the playoffs for the Habs. I mean, half the team's injured. Uh, Cole yeah. Caulfield's gone for the season. Um, so, right. so that's already, you know, 
30 goals off the table. You know, it's just, it, it's, it's all about Bedard. It's all about <laughs> yeah, Bedard, absolutely. right? <laughs> We're tanking. Yeah. Well, another person here that's rooting against the Florida Panthers, like we all are. Uh, yep. They have the first round pick. Uh, <laughs> all right. How about some of the Sabres first round picks from the 2022 draft? They drafted three centers, Matthew Savoy, Noah Oslin, and Yuri Kulich in that order. And when we talked last week, I don't know. I looked around after. I don't know that anybody else sounds as high on Noah Osland as you do. Now, that's not to say anybody is down on him. Just whenever we hear hype about that draft class, it's, well, Savoy in the the top 10, just being a top 10 pick really in general, and then what he's done in the WHL. Or it's Kulich. You know, at the World Juniors, or how how easily he seemed to adapt to the AHL level at this young age. Mm-hmm. Oslin maybe flies under the radar a little bit, but um, you, from you, like, why from you are you high on Noah Oslin and feel like he has a, a a a good chance of becoming an NHL player? Among those three, Noah Oslin is by far the most cerebral player. Um, he understands the play extremely well. He adapts to plays. He's able to um, change his mind on the fly. He's not set on one play. And if that doesn't work, then, you know, it doesn't work. It's, it's constantly being in an adaptive, you know, mindset and also in an adaptive body position. Um, he puts the puck in his hip pocket. He's able to pass, shoot, stick handle, depending on what happens. And it's not predictable. It's never predictable. It's, it's always, you know, um, I have a second idea in my sleeve and if that first idea doesn't work, then I've got this. Um, he's able to play between checks extremely well. I love the way that he, he finds space off the puck um, and even on the puck, the way he's so slippery and slithery, he's able to to move through players really well. Um, his shot is nowhere near Yuri Kulich's or Matt Savoy's, mm. but his playmaking is just, it's, it's on another level. Um, there were teams that had him in their top 10. Uh, there were teams that I know for sure the Montreal yeah. Canadiens, if they had kept that pick, uh, the 13th overall pick that they traded for Kirby Doc, um, they were going for Noel Osland. Like they they were very high on him. Um, and I understand it. You know, among those three, he slowly but surely became my favorite. Um Yonatan Lakarimaki um is kind of sort of you know, he's kind of a one-trick pony, and if his goal scoring doesn't translate, I don't know what else he has. I don't think he has a B game at all. Yeah. Um Osland has a wide range of possibilities. I think the worst case scenario in Oslin's case, you get a, a really good third line center who's going to be, you know, making plays and, and creating for his teammates. But if you kind of look at what your gardens is doing this year in the, in the Al Svenskan, they got relegated to the second division. Um, all three of Noah Oslin, Jonathan Lekarimaki and uh, the Ergden are playing for them this year. Oslin has 24 points in 32 games. Um, Ergden has 17 points in 30 games and Lekarimaki has nine points in 29 games. So, you know, that line is being purely driven by Noah Oslund and his creativity. Um, so yeah. that's those are kind of all factors that make me think that Oslund among those three has the highest ceiling. Um, yeah. And, I've, you know, it, it's kind of biased against Noah Oslund. If I'm honest, I'm not the biggest fan of his game. I think he's very limited in terms of, you know, he's really, really good on the power play, and that's a skill on its own. We see it with players like Kent Johnson, you know, sometimes – being a good half wall guy on the power play is a skill in and of itself that can get you to the NHL. But um, as soon as there's situations where he's pressured, as soon as there's situations where there's one or two guys on his back, you know, you know, pressuring him, he not only panics, but he's really easy to push off the puck. And Mm -hmm. that leads to situations where, you know, there are more loose puck scenarios on the ice when he's there. Uh, Whereas Ursuline is always in control. He's able to move through checks. He cuts off opponents hands. Um, 
I feel like is much more projectable than than Matt Savoy. Um, and you know, I had him pretty high in his draft year, Matt Savoy, but. Uh, you know, at, right after I put out my final rankings, I went back and watched a couple of games because I was talking to some scouts and they're like, eh, I don't know. Mm. Um, and I, I started seeing it. You know, he's really, really good on the power play in scenarios where he's not pressured. He's extremely dominant. Yeah. But in the NHL, those scenarios are very few and far between. Um, whereas Oswald is actually excels in situations where he's pressured. So that's kind of the difference for me. And Coolidge is very close to Noah Usland. I, I think those two are very kind of similar in terms of, you know, Coolidge is a better shooter. He's a better defensive player, but in terms mm-hmm. of their, their edge work, their skating, their uh, transition play, all that, they're pretty similar in terms of what they can give in terms of output. Um, I just feel like Coolidge is a lot more sort of straight line, run and gun. Um, you know, you know what you're going to get from him. It's a very pro game. Mm-hmm. Um, but Uslan is a bit more sort of um, intricate. He's a bit yeah. more composed. You know, there's some elements that he has that Coolish doesn't. But those two, for me, are kind of neck and neck at the top end of that that prospect tier for the for the Sabers. Yeah. So this this might honestly just be another way of asking you like how you would rank them. But mm-hmm. the Sabers are in the Jacob Chikrin sweepstakes right now. Probably not a favorite to get him. That seems to be L.A. or mm-hmm. Boston. Yeah. But let's say hypothetically they get close to a deal and Arizona says, we just want one of the three. We'll even let you pick. Who are you choosing? Who, if, Ma- if you're, if the Sabres and you're trading one of them, who's the one you're trading? It's Matt Savoy. Um, okay. Of the three, I think Matt Savoy has the highest uh, bus potential. I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to bus. He has still the, the, the likelihood of being a top six forward, but of mm-hmm. the three, I think that Matt Savoy has a high, you know, if I were, if I were going to say who's the, who's got the highest chance of the three to play in the bottom six, and that's the best they can do. It's Matt Savoy. Um, yep. You know, I, I could very, very well see him become a third line scoring winger. Um, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I think is the highest likelihood of happening with Savoy. So I don't think that I would hesitate at all between those three. Um, I'll pull the trigger on Matt Savoy, especially if the surrounding assets that you get for, for Chikrin are sort of diminished by giving yeah. back, giving your seventh overall pick, you know, yeah. I, I, I pull the trigger on that right away for sure. Yeah. And Chikrin too. Um, I mean, the Sabres are just kind of, it's bared in the cupboard of defensive prospects, right? Like, yeah. They've they're top heavy, like the guys at the NHL level with Darlene Power and Samuelson. But yep. as I've been saying, the cavalry's not really coming to to fix the depth blue line, which you know, mm-hmm. you could you could fix that easily. Your fourth and fifth defenseman. You don't have to swing as big as Chikrin, but yeah, man, that, that guy is so talented. And I, I think it would be worth it to make a trade like that, especially when they have all these picks and prospects. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, trading one or two is going to be fine. Real quickly on the Rochester guys, we've talked about Kulich a little bit here, but Yuri Kulich and Isaac Rosine, who was the Sabres' first-round pick in 2021. Mm-hmm. How do you see them timeline-wise? Do you feel like they could, maybe one's different than the other, but be ready to jump to the NHL next season? Kulich, almost for sure. I think that he's shown... Um more than well enough that he plays a pro game in an extremely translatable way. His defensive impact has been really solid in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I said it in his draft year, but he's he was a top two, top three defensive forward uh, in his draft year. Yeah. Um, really, really strong along the boards. He's able to move off the boards and make plays really quickly. The puck doesn't stay you know, very long in his own zone. Um, he gets it out with speed and control, which is very, very translatable, really good in terms of, of the results that you get off out of him. Um, he has that defensive baseline on top of that. He's a really good goal scorer. 
you know, not just his shot on its own. He's got a great one-timer, but his ability to find soft soft pockets of space in the offensive zone um, and his tendency to drive the net uh, and, and cut to the inside. Those are th- sort of three, four things about his goal scoring that are extremely translatable. So I think that you can expect Yuri Kulich to have an impact next year in the NHL. Um, Isaac Rosan, you know, he's still 19. Um, I don't think his game is as projectable right away as as Kulich's was, uh, Kulich's is, but um, he, he's got a lot of elements in his game that, you know, were extremely evident, let's say, in the World Juniors um, that I really liked. You know, he's not their top performer this year in the AHL, but the way he moves off the puck, the way that he, he's so slippery and slithery with the puck when he's skating up the ice, um, his playmaking is solid, I think. It's, it's something that he, he can really build his career off of. Um Mm-hmm. You know, I think the timeline is a bit longer for for Rosan, but I wouldn't sleep on him at all. He's a really, really good prospect. All right, we'll take a timeout here, and when we come back, how about some of the guys at the NHL level? Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka. Um, we'll get to them when we come back, and maybe a little bit on the NHL draft too before we wrap out wrap up with Hadi Kalakash here in the Locked On Sabers podcast. All right, welcome back. Some more prospect talk with Hadi before we run out of time here. Locked on NHL prospects. Uh, does some other prospect work, of course, for different sites. Uh, big Habs fan as well. So how about the guys at the NHL level for the Sabres? They've had inconsistent seasons statistically. Um, Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka, they get grouped together a lot. I'm not sure if they should be based on the caliber of their play. They do play in the same line. That's another reason why mm-hmm. that happens, but... Um, I guess you can group them together if you want, if they're kind of similar trajectory for you. But do you feel like they're both still tracking towards these are two legitimate top six scorers for the foreseeable future? Jack Quinn, for sure. Um, I've been really, really impressed with his play. Um, he drives play extremely well. He's constantly manipulating opponents. He's constantly finding ways to bait them into one thing and going the other way. Um projectable goal scoring has always been a really good goal scorer, but he's added some playmaking elements over the past, uh, you know, year, year and a half. Uh, the time he spent the AHL was really, really essential in that, I think. Um, but yeah, no, he's just, he's got a full complete package of offense, um, you know, in terms of goal scoring and playmaking stick handling as well. He's also really good in transition. He's kind of been above average defensively as well. I've been really impressed with his defensive impact. Um, so I, I think that his projection his projection into the top six is a bit more easy than Paterka. But Paterka has been playing pro for the longest time. He understands his assignments um, really well. He's the type of guy who's, I think, is more of a middle six than a top six guy. Um, but I really like his impact offensively as well. You know, he's able to, to crash and bang, score some dirty goals, but he's also able to score from distance. Um, his shot is nowhere near... Quins. I think Jack Quinn's in a different stratosphere in terms of goal scoring, but their playmaking, I think, is pretty similar. Um, and on top of that, I, I kind of see J- um, Paterka sort of improving his defensive game, whereas Quinn, I feel like he's reached what he can do. Um, Paterka still has some elements that he can add um, in terms of lower body strength, in terms of um, engaging his core more in battles, that kind of thing that could actually sort of bolster his defensive impact and make him a better defensive player than Quinn, even though Quinn is better right now. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I kind of see Paterka being more of a surefire middle six forward, whereas Jack Quinn has a third line kind of uh, baseline, but could absolutely reach a top six. He's a lot more projectable in the top six. For me. And then more open ended, I guess. But is there if you don't have a name ready to go on this, that's fine. But is there anyone we haven't mentioned, Sabre prospect, like outside of the first round the last couple of years that 
you worth you think is worth mentioning to Saber fans? Um, go ahead. I got two for you. Uh, okay. Victor Noichev. Uh, playing yep. in the KHL right now. He's been doing great. He was a mid-round pick last year. Um, and Olivier Nadeau, who they picked up in the 2021 NHL draft. Um, he's got uh, 26 points in 18 games since getting traded to the Gatineau Olympic. The, the Olympic absolutely bolstered the roster with a bunch of guys, and he was one of the guys they added. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been really solid. I love his goal scoring. I like his feistiness. Um, you know, f- for for a guy, you know, he's 6'2", 200 pounds. I mean, he's he's got a projectable frame, but it doesn't rely on that exclusive. Exclusively. Um, obviously, the, the QMJHL factor kind of um, scares people off. Uh, I, I think that's kind of overblown. There are some elements of the Q where you don't really learn the things that you want to learn in, in that mm-hmm. league. Um, scoring and, and play driving is very different in, in the Q than in, in the pros, but it's not to an extent that I would worry too much about it. I really, really like Olivier Nadeau and what he can bring to uh, uh, you know a, a third line, maybe borderline second line down the road. Yeah. I just like that the Sabres have, I mean... This was before, obviously, like there were political reasons maybe to to stop doing it. But the Sabres had gone like 10 years without drafting a Russian prospect. Yep. Like, they just decided we're not going to do it anymore. And they've picked like six in the last two drafts. So, yeah, Poltopov, Prokhor, Poltopov, and Viktor yep. Noichev are, are the two that I would kind of look at as the top end of the Russian prospects right now. Yeah. Yeah. Nuchev, man, the shot is just crazy. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then finally, before we wrap up here, Hadi, so you're you're paying attention to this guy as a Montreal fan. I know Can- Canadians fans are really wanting this guy with either their mm-hmm. own first-round pick or maybe if Florida drops down, but they're starting to rise back up again in the playoff race. Connor Bedard is what as a generational prospect? Is he is he McDavid? Is he Matthews? Is he around that tier? Like, I guess to put it in comparison to context, what level of first overall pick this is, what would you say to that? Uh, for me, it's kind of somewhere in the middle of the two. Um, I think that his goal scoring is very similar to Austin Matthews's. It's not just a curl and drag shot. It's the ability to find space. It's the ability to, um, you know, change the angle of his shot, you know, whether he's on his inside edge, his outside edge, if he's on balance, off balance, it doesn't matter. He's consistently able to, to find ways to create offense and create his shot. Um, on top of that, you have the transition ability, uh, the the ability to you know play his position defensively. It's kind of been overblown the kind of uh, lack of effort level. He's playing for a team in Regina that is not going to make the playoffs and wasn't interested at all, and made it clear that they weren't going to trade him. Um, so I understand the kind of lack of of motivation uh, there. But I you know when you saw him at the World Juniors, he was a more than capable defensive player, um, and you know he, he just controls play at all times. Uh, so for me, I'd say, you know, he's not going to have the the raw point production and transition impact of a Connor McDavid. Um, but I think that he can absolutely score 40 to 50 goals in his first year, uh, which is saying something. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, at the World Juniors, you know, first and foremost, he has broken records left and right. He's officially the highest draft eligible scorer, uh, point scorer at the World Junior Championship. Um, yeah. what was it? 23 points in eight games. Um, this, the second highest after him was, um, Yaramir Yager who had the 18 points in seven games. So the bar is high and it reached it. Um, what he did at that tournament was basically dig a trench between him and Adam Fantilli and say, you're not crossing this. You know, this is, yeah. this is my, my draft year. I'm first overall. Yeah, man. I'm looking at the, at the odds right now too. I, I had this take back when McDavid was in the draft and listen, being in Buffalo, never more invested in a lottery or a draft than anything 
I've ever experienced. <laughs> yep. But I do remember saying from the league perspective, this isn't even really saying much, but it'd be better for the league. It's easier to market a guy when he's in a different market, a bigger market or a, an East Coast market. I like there's an East Coast bias, but it's fact. Like the ratings are better for the Eastern Conference than it is for the Western Conference. Yep. Um, and Edmonton, man, was just from the NHL's perspective when it comes to marketing and building a star. That's tougher to do with McDavid. So I'm looking at this list of teams and I'm like, man, the only teams where I feel like Bedard could go where he'd be this massive marketed star like mm-hmm. Montreal. I guess I wouldn't be that. I've never really hated Montreal. So that'd be fine <laughs> in the Sabres division would stink. Yeah. And then I'm like for star power, wouldn't Philly be the best place for him to go? But I can't watch him in a Flyers uniform. Oh my God. I, I, I can't would not do like that. that. Uh, no, but Darden, uh, now, now I don't. I don't know where I want him to go then, I guess, is what I'm saying. All, all I'll say is um, Connor Bedard under John Tortorella would be boring. Oh, my God. Uh, that would be no, so No bad. Michigans? Are you kidding me? No Michigans. So bad. He no, would bench him. Is, yeah. Could you imagine? No, <laughs> Benching Connor Bedard oh might be God. the thing that gets him like fired and never hired again. I mean, it's Connor freaking Bedard. He's so good at yeah. what he does. Just let him out there. Let him, you know, flash his creativity and, and enjoy the game. I think that's... Something that he would get in Montreal under Martin St. Louis more than under any coach. I, th- I think St. Louis has been more than willing to give opportunities for young guys to um, to flash their game and enjoy it. You know, it's it's just even though the Habs are losing every every second game, yeah, they're the environment and the vibe in the locker room has been amazing to watch, and yeah, that's one thing that. You know, teams that are in the bottom of the standings rarely have, and that's why I think that Carbonard would be a great fit for Montreal. You know, maybe I'm maybe I'm biased about that, but that's it enough. is. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I just I, I think that it would be a great fit. I don't think it happens. I don't think the Habs are going to get two first overall picks in a row. Um, yeah. it it just sucks that they had the season that they had last year instead of this year. Um, because mm, yeah. I like your Slavkovsky, but man, Connor Bedard. <laughs> Connor Bedard. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we'll see what happens with him. <clears throat> excuse me. As we go to the <clears throat> the lottery a little bit later on, uh, mm-hmm. and we'll check in again maybe after the season or as the season progresses here, as some uh, some more prospect stuff comes out in the next couple of months. So, Hadi, appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, do you want to plug where everybody can check out your stuff? Yeah, for sure. There's a one-stop shop for you on Twitter. It's HattieK underscore scouting. I post everything I do there. Um, you can find me at Habs Eyes on the Prize or Dauber Prospects, writing articles, doing scouting reports, that kind of thing. I've also got my own YouTube channel uh, where I post some videos from time to time. I'm currently working on a scouting report on Ethan Goche of the QMJHL. Uh, that should be out pretty soon. And when it comes to the podcast, we're taking a little break right now to restructure, but soon we'll be back. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. We're there. All right. Appreciate Hadi jumping on here, and uh, we look forward to having him on the show again. Sabres and Sharks next, but our next show will actually be me torching the Ottawa Senators for retiring Chris Neal's number. Uh, <laughs> listen, I'm going to I'm gonna pull back from my childhood just for one show, just to bring back how much I hated Chris Neal uh, and that Senators team that went toe-to-toe with the Sabres for a couple of years. So for that'll sure. be next. That'll be next. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you can't be a Chris Neal guy either. So I'm not oh, offending not you by. I don't think I'm offending you. <laughs> not by at all. Yeah. All right. So, some anti Chris Neal content coming your way next. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll talk to you Monday here on the Lockdown Sabers podcast.